the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello and welcome to the Situation Report today. Very glad to have you joining me. This is the show where we do our best to give you the information and perspectives you need to navigate an ever-changing culture. My name is Jeremy Stolnicker, and here today with one of my favorite guests, one of my favorite people. In fact, if we weren't filming and recording, um, I still do everything I can to sit down and have a conversation with him whenever uh, I can. Colonel Alan West, Lieutenant Colonel Alan West is with us, and he's been on this show before. He is a friend. He is a mentor to me and to um, many here in our organization at the Mighty Oaks Foundation. And uh, man, an incredible American man of God, someone that I could not speak more highly of and very excited to share our interview with you. Today, we have the opportunity to talk about America, what it means to be really an American. We're at this 4th of July time. We are celebrating the independence of our country, and yet so many of us have forgotten what that means, where we came from, why it's important, and what we are actually celebrating. We talk about the future. What does the future of this country look like? Why should we be optimistic and hopeful, even though things can seem so dark and so difficult? We have the opportunity to talk about that. Talk a little bit about the Supreme Court, some decisions that were made, what they mean, and uh, so many other things. Very grateful to have this conversation and to be able to share it with you. My guest is Lieutenant Colonel Alan West. Great to have on again today our friend, Lieutenant Colonel Alan West, who, as I'm sure you know, former member of the United States Congress, political commentator, and not most importantly to everyone, but certainly to us, uh, board of advisor member for the Mighty Oaks Foundation, a good friend, and uh, someone that um, I consider a mentor. Um, so great to have you on with us. Thank you for doing this again. I will, I will use yeah. any excuse to talk to you. So I'm thankful we have, I'm thankful we have this venue to do it, but uh, thanks for coming on. Yeah. Well, it's my pleasure, Jeremy. And I want to wish you and everyone watching a happy Independence Day. Let's, uh, let's start with that. If you don't mind, I, I want to get to the Supreme Court, but what does Independence Day mean to you? Um, you served for so many years. You've served mm-hmm. those who have served. Uh, you've been in this fight for a long time. What does this weekend mean to you? You know, it's it's a weekend where we remember that, you know, back some 246 years ago, the greatest nation that the world has ever known was established. And the important thing about the United States of America is that it was established on the premise and the belief that the individual is sovereign Mm. and supreme over the institution of government because the individual's rights come from a creator God who is sovereign also. And you served in the Marine Corps. And what a great honor that we could be part of that lineage yes. that has stood there to protect this great nation. And what's so unique about the fact that, you know, being Marines and also being a soldier is that our branches of service were started before there was a nation. Right. Right. Before there was this Declaration of Independence. And that leads you to believe that what we have here is not a geographical location. It's an ideal. Mm. And it is the greatest experiment in self 
governance and democratic principles that the world has ever known. And we got to continue to protect and preserve it. We've had a we've had a rough year as Americans, and we've had rough years in the past. But this seems unusually um, difficult, and for many, it's it's been discouraging. Are you optimistic about the future as you consider? You know, we come into this weekend, and for many of us, it's very nostalgic, not only for our own service, but just looking back historically. And um, are you are you optimistic about the future when you look at our country? Yes, I am. And I will tell you, one of the reasons why I'm so optimistic is uh, is very personal and that my son-in-law, my youngest daughter's husband, right now is at basic training in Fort Jackson, South Carolina. Uh, so he is committed to being a soldier and he's going to come back and finish up his last couple of years of college and uh, seek to become a commissioned officer. So that's why I'm encouraged, because what has continued throughout these 246 years, you've always had young men and young women mm. who have stepped up to say that they will serve this great nation uh, and protect those those liberties, those rights, those freedoms that we have. And in the darkest hours, that's when you, you find the greatest amount of, uh, I guess, recommitment to what this great nation is. Yeah. And, you know, one of my great military heroes was Joshua Lawrence Chamberlain. Mm. And I'm sure you know who he is, yep. the Battle of uh, Little Round Top yep. in Gettysburg. Not a professional soldier, right. professor of rhetoric. And he stood there and he did not surrender. He did not retreat. William Barrett Travis, Barrett Travis, 26 years of age, commanding the Alamo, did not surrender, did not retreat. So those stories are what make us who we are as American people. And that's why I have optimism. And first and foremost, we will restore our Judeo-Christian faith heritage and put our trust in God, not in man. As you know, our friend Mike Lindell has a passion to help everyone get the best sleep of your life. He didn't stop by simply creating the best pillow. Now Mike has done it again by introducing his My Slippers. For a limited time, you will save $90 on a pair of My Slippers. This blowout sale of the year won't last, so order now. Mike has taken two years to develop the My Slippers, and they are designed to wear both indoor and out all day long. Made with MyPillow foam and impact gel to help prevent fatigue, they are also made with quality leather suede. Call 1-800-870-0283, use the promo code SITREP, or go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square, and use promo code SITREP. This offer will not last long, so order now with promo code SITREP at MyPillow.com. How do we get back to that place? And I, I think perhaps more now than ever, it's become very clear that we have strayed from that path. And I think we've long talked about um, our Christian nation and our Christian founding, and we've, we've held on to what was. And somewhere along mm-hmm. the way, I think we've lost our grip on that. How do we get back to that? How do we communicate that to others? And how do we kind of right this ship? It starts in the home. You and I have talked about that so often. Yeah. And I know we're going to talk about the Supreme Court, and this kind of leads into uh, that a little bit, the decision that they made uh, up in the state of Maine where parents can make the right. decision to right. send their children to uh, to private schools, to religious institutions, because that is their money. It's not the government's yeah, right, money. Right. And so I think <laughs> right. that that's what we have to get back to. It starts in the home with those principles and values. We've You, you see so many people now running for school boards and getting involved and getting engaged yep. at that local level. Yep. So I think that we will see a return and resurgence of civics education, history, history education, not this revisionist stuff. And we're absolutely appalled by some of the things, yeah. the, the grooming of our children, yeah. the gender modification and all of that. 
Let's uh, let's talk about the Supreme Court. I think perhaps the thing that has given me the most free or not freedom, but uh, a hope in our future yeah. freedom uh, right now yeah. has been some of these decisions. And if we had talked two months ago, I would express complete disappointment in the Supreme Court. Um, I, I think a lot of people have felt so let down. We thought we had a conservative court, a court that understood mm-hmm. the Constitution, that wanted to defend the Constitution. Some of the decisions just weren't there. But the last two weeks have been absolutely unbelievable. Um, I, I'd like to talk about the Roe decision, but but more mm-hmm. broadly before we get specifically to that, uh, how do you view what's happened in the last couple of weeks? What has happened in the last couple of weeks is that we have a, a constitutionally based Supreme Court yeah. that understands, according to Article 3 of our Constitution, they're supposed to interpret the law. Yeah. They're not supposed to make law. They're not supposed to make up rights. They're not supposed to deal with the culture and the society and the whims thereof. They're not supposed to be judicial activists that are trying to implement an ideological agenda. And because we have had such a, a dearth of constitutional education and understanding civics, you see people out in the streets going apoplectic. Yeah, uh, <laughs> right. but what But what they decided was absolutely correct. You know, the, the, the Constitution in Article 1, Section 8, there are 18 things. That's it. 18 things that's the duty, responsibility, jurisdiction, purview of the federal government. Anything else, all those powers not uh, designated or, or reserved to the federal government, or go back to the uh, to the states and to the people, not delegated to the federal government or reserved to the states and to the people. And that's what they decided. That's the 10th Amendment. That's the last amendment yeah. in our Bill of Rights. So that's where this should have been. And they corrected a bad Supreme Court decision, which is what Roe versus Wade uh, was. And even Ruth Bader Ginsburg said that Roe v. Wade was also really shaky ground mm. when you really use uh, jurisprudence and constitutionally based analysis and assessment to look at it. What made that a particularly bad decision? I've heard uh, a lot of folks talk about that in the last couple of weeks. Uh, not, you know, taking away the fact that it endorsed the, um, the murder of innocent children. <laughs> we, mm-hmm. we can set that yeah. aside. But from a jurisprudence position, what made that a particularly bad decision? The Supreme Court does not make law, first and foremost. And so when people are saying that Roe v. Wade was the law of the land, no, it's not. Mm. The only people that make law is the legislative branch. And the left had so many occasions that they could have codified Roe v. Wade Mm. into law. They didn't. And so now they're trying to come back and talk about ending the filibuster. They're the biggest uh, proponents (laughs) that are attacking our democratic institutions. The other thing is that the Supreme Court can't make up rights. Uh, you know, the Declaration of Independence said we have a right to life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. Uh, it didn't say anything about a right to privacy. Right. And so when you read the Constitution, there is no enumerated right the, to privacy. There is no enumerated right uh, ability for someone to kill uh, an unborn child. And so basically what we had with Roe v. Wade in 1973 was an ideologically based uh, Supreme Court, not a constitutionally based Supreme Court. And the sad thing, Jeremy, is that over 60 million babies lost their lives by dismemberment because we didn't understand what the Constitution, you know, said was right. It's always been crazy to me. And and even now, um, I'm thankful for this decision, of course, but even now, it's always been crazy to me that this is a political conversation, that this is a political discussion, uh, because Mm -hmm. it, it doesn't, it doesn't figure with me. It doesn't reconcile the death of a child becomes a political conversation that we're fighting over. It's a left and right. And how we can't see it simply as a life issue is, 
It, it's yeah. just so puzzling to me. And even the decision from the Supreme Court, why they're not focused on the life of the child, uh, again, is, is an amazing thing to me. Well, the thing is, they have to be focused on interpreting the law. Sure. And that's it. Uh, they can't sit up there and try to adjudicate morality. Uh, and that's that's the key thing that, that I think that now it goes back down to the states. Right. And the people in the states can decide who they want to elect as their state legislatures. And you already have seen that South Dakota and Missouri, they had to trigger laws. And so abortion, uh, the murder of unborn children, immediately became uh, illegal in those yeah. states. Here in Texas, we got 30 days before that happens. Uh, so, you know, that's where this should be politically decided uh, at, at that state level. A lot of the conversation about this decision from those who are opposed to it uh, highlights the impact this will have on underprivileged communities, poor communities, um, uh, the normal group of folks that we're always uh, told are going to be impacted. Uh, what do you say to that? I say very simply, the greatest impact you have seen in the black community since 1973 is over 20 million black babies have been yep. murdered in the womb. You know, Planned Parenthood was founded. If you want to talk about racism, yeah. <laughs> okay, Planned Parenthood was founded by a white supremacist and a racist who spoke at Klan rallies. You can go back and read, you know, what Margaret Sanger wrote. You can look, listen to her uh, videotapes, her speeches. She referred to blacks as undesirables mm. and human weeds that had to be plucked out. Yeah. You know, people with diseases, things of this nature that had to be eradicated. So this was really all about a genocide yep. in the black community. And, you know, we have a community where black women make up 38% of murdering of unborn babies in the United States of America, but yet black women only 7% of the population. Yeah. yeah. So you want to talk about an adverse effect, there it is. And that was not part of the community that I grew up in uh, in the 60s and 70s in the inner city of Atlanta, Georgia. So, uh, you know, this thing... The real racism, the real this is not going to affect, you know, black women in the way that the left wants to believe. This is going to once again restore that semblance of life, especially in a community like the black and Hispanic community. They're very pro-life. They're very religious. Yeah. And it says in Deuteronomy 30 and 19, God says, I set before you life and death. Choose life yeah. so that you and your descendants, your generation shall live. As a as a Christian, um, watching people talk about this. There are Christians that are on one side that would, you know, certainly celebrate this, that use terms like the murder of unborn children like I would. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's others who say we need to be kind, we need to be compassionate, we need to be considerate. And there's probably a middle ground in there. How do you as a Christian who have an opportunity to speak to others to communicate this? Um, mm -hmm. How do you communicate that? What advice would you give to someone who believes, as I do, that life begins at conception, that that's a gift from God, that that's not something we at any point in the pregnancy should terminate. But understanding the cultural background that we're in, the cultural landscape that we have, how do we communicate that in a way that's effective and helpful? Well, you communicate it with love, but you also have to communicate it through the word of God. Yeah. You know, Jeremiah 1, 5 says, you know, that I knew you uh, before you were formed in the womb. I mean, that's uh, David talks about how blessed is the, the man who has, you know, children. It's like arrows in his quiver. Yep. So the word of God, if you're a Christian and you believe in the word of God, I mean, it's, it's right there. Now, what we have to do is we have to be kind and compassionate. We have to do this with love. And so we have to go out and reach out to these women. Uh, one of the uh, pastor, Hagee, down in San Antonio, yep. has uh, created this place called Sanctuary of Hope 
where women who have these you know, unexpected pregnancies, what have you, they have a place where they can go to right. and they they could have a little apartment. They're you know able to raise up their children. They're even able to get you know an education uh, out there in uh, Palm Springs, Palm Desert, California. There's a place called Mama's House. Mm. Does the exact same thing. Bring these young ladies into this campus and this home. So that's how we can be kind. Yeah. We can be compassionate, operating within the Word of God and what we're supposed to do. And we can start making sure that there are, you know, services that are provided to them. You know, in the case of rape, incest, what have you. But I believe that, you know, everyone will agree when it's the case of a mother's life. That's an important decision that that she has to make. And and you see that consistent throughout. But uh, without a doubt, we got to stand up for life. Yeah. That's your very first nailing but right yeah. in the Declaration of Independence. Uh, does this decision open the door? Clarence Thomas may have indicated that it would open the door to other decisions similar to this as it relates to things like gay marriage and other things. Uh, do you think it sure. does that or does it? Was that Clarence Thomas saying, I hope that it will or I wish that it would? No, look, let's be very honest. The Obergefell versus Hodges case uh, that emanated out of California. And Maybe what happened in California it. was that what happened in California back in 2008, Barack Obama's first election, you had a marriage amendment that was on the uh, the table there in California. Yeah. And that and that marriage amendment got voted down by the people of California. Yes. So what so what did the left do? They didn't listen to the people. They took it to the courts. Yes. And then it, it made its way up to the Supreme Court and they ruled that, you know, the, the 14th Amendment, equal protection on the law. The court does not have any, you know, jurisdiction over who gets married or whatever. Right. That's states are the ones to grant that. And, you know, I've always been a proponent of civil unions. So what Clarence Thomas is once again saying is that, you know, you look at what a court is supposed to, you know, have as its purview and review. This should have never gone up to the Supreme Court. It was something that was decided at the state level. The people in California said no, but then the left took it into the courts. And again, the, you know, nine individuals don't make law. Nine mm. individuals don't grant a right. You know, we don't have a right to, to, to housing. We don't have a right to free health care. We don't have a right to free education. We don't have a right to marriage. But these are the things, the ideological rights of the left, that they inculcate, uh, and, and especially in the court systems where if they can't legislatively get it done, then they run to the courts. Yeah. Um, another very important decision that came out of this is the Second Amendment decision. Mm-hmm. And uh, you've been a huge proponent, or a huge proponent of the Second Amendment, which I'm glad to see somebody who comes from an Army background even knowing how to operate a weapon. So I'm, I'm very happy to see that. And, <laughs> and that's, so that's great. But um, <laughs> you, you, uh, you've been, been huge on this, of course. Um, what do you make of the decision that uh, Clarence Thomas gave the opinion on, and what impact will that have more broadly outside of the state of New York? Well, it, it says that the Second Amendment, now that is an enumerated right, but yet the left, it doesn't it agree with their ideology, and so therefore they want to undermine it and take it away, or as it says, shall not be infringed. They want to continue to infringe upon it. When you look at the language of the Second Amendment, Jeremy, it's so simple, it's yeah. so pure, it's yeah. so easy. A well-regulated militia, okay, well-regulated, when you go and do the study, that means well-trained, okay, and the militia is us, mm. 
the people, the citizens of the United States of America. And our founding fathers understood that an armed individual is a citizen. Yeah. A disarmed individual is a subject. That's good. So a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, which means that we are responsible for the security of this state, this government, these United States of America. And therefore, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. That's just simple. And so this whole thing where we had to have court decisions, Heller versus D.C., McDonald versus Chicago, to say that you could have a weapon yeah, right. in your home. Right. And now this thing where, uh, you know, you got to show some type of reason why you should be able to have a concealed carry license. You don't have to show a yeah, reason. Right. Your, your reason is the Constitution. Right. <laughs> right. And, so, and so think about in, in the state of New York, what would have happened maybe in Buffalo if those individuals that were there, someone at that grocery store yeah. had a concealed sure. carry permit? Sure. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. So it, that's it. It changes, uh, it changes everything. And uh, that statement in armed society is a polite society. Uh, it, it's it's crazy because you and I have both been in places where everyone there was armed, and it it changes mm. it changes the tone, it changes everything, and it really would in our country as well. Look at the crime and how it's rising and increasing, and it is always in these areas where the left is in control. And you know the shooting that happened in Uvalde, absolutely tragic. But the thing is this: what if those parents sure. showing up with their weapons? Yeah. And told the police, we're going in there to get our children. Yeah. You can sit out here and you can deliberate, you can debate for 77 mm -hmm. minutes. We're not going to allow it to happen. Yeah. And, and if they had, were trained, if they had gone to an NRA firearms instructor training, think about uh, Stephen Williford, the uh, the person that neutralized the shooter in Sutherland Springs. Mm -hmm. He had an AR-15. He neutralized that shooter. Why? He was an NRA tra trained firearms instructor. Yeah. So when the people are armed, or Jack Wilson, who in the church, uh, a white settlement right outside uh, Fort Worth, yeah. in three seconds, he took down the shooter yeah. there in that church. That's what the Second Amendment is talking about. Uh, so many things at work. What are you uh, expecting to see, maybe not out of the Supreme Court, but in the next several months? We've got so much going on right now politically mm -hmm. in our country. What are some things you're keeping your eyes on? Well, I'm keeping my eyes on now how the left will try to pivot and look at how they can flip state legislatures. Because yep. if you've got a constitutional-based Supreme Court that's saying we're not going to uh, you know, step outside the box, we're going to get uh, this federal government back into the Constitution box. These are things that the state should be deciding. Let's see how the left goes and try to flip some legislatures at the state's level. And let's also see how the left is going to try to manipulate our institutions you know, they want to end the filibuster. They want to now put, uh, you know, abortion clinics on federal land, yeah. which is a right. violation of the Hyde Amendment, right. uh, because that would be taxpayer money going to support, you know, abortion. So we've got to always think where they're trying to go and get ahead of them. I am uh, I'm super excited about your podcast. Uh, this is something I think mm -hmm. you you're so good at it. And, and I'm glad that you finally oh. did it. I think it's it's the right thing. You've got some incredible guests on. One of the things I've really appreciated about it is um, there's not a there's not a line in your conversation between faith and the Bible and what's happening in the world. Um, you'll have the Bible open. You're reading from passages. You're interviewing incredible guests. Um, can you talk about that for a minute? People who are listening to this show need to go and and follow you. So talk about what you're doing there and how you're doing it. Maybe even why you're doing it. Well, it's the, the Steadfast and Loyal podcast, and it comes out on Thursday evenings, uh, 8 Eastern, 7 Central. 
the whole purpose is to better inform, educate, and activate people. And look, you know, our Judeo-Christian faith heritage is the foundation of, to who we are yeah. in the United States of America. And there's so many parallels and similarities that, uh, you know, the, the, the children of Israel, after Joshua passed away, they started to worship the Baals. One of the gods of the Baals was the god of child sacrifice, mm. Moloch. Mm. And look at where we are yeah. today. Yeah, absolutely. So, so I think it's important that we bring those things in. And not saying that I'm trying to create a theocracy in the United States of America, which is what the left will say. But we've got to understand the, the, those foundations. Uh, it's just like in any sport, uh, you've got to have some fundamentals. And the fundamentals to our, our uh, constitutional republic is that Judeo-Christian faith heritage. No other nation was founded on the premise that mm -hmm. your individual uh, inalienable rights come from a creator God, the Judeo-Christian faith heritage God. So we try to look at all of these different issues, being at uh, national sovereignty, being at uh, the border, uh, you know, religious liberty and religious freedom. Look yeah. at the Coach Kennedy case yeah. that just came Another out. Another great one. Yeah. Another great one. So we try to look at all of these things and make sure that, you know, people are, are better informed and educated. That's awesome. Colonel West, thank you as always. I'm so grateful for My you pleasure. and uh, appreciate the conversation. Always a pleasure, Jeremy. Happy to be with you anytime. Yes, sir. And I didn't use a lot of long words because you are more. <laughs> you know what's funny? I've been waiting for that the whole the whole conversation, and it never came out. But uh, no comments about crayons or anything. So uh, yeah, I'm I'm strategic. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for keeping it simple. I appreciate it. Yeah, uh, thank you, brother. All right, yes, sir. Grateful for the insights of Colonel Allen West. As always, he is fantastic, and uh, I love listening to him, talking with him. Uh, in private conversation, sitting down and learning from him. So much wisdom and uh, grateful that we could have him on today. Please go and watch his show, watch his podcast. You'll find it on YouTube and uh, you can look it up there. And I know that you will and you'll be happy that you did. If you're not yet subscribed to this podcast, please do that now. You're listening from somewhere. Make sure that you are subscribed. That would be fantastic. And then go over to YouTube. You can also find our channel there, The Situation Report. Subscribe, hit the notification bell. Leave us a comment, share that content out, and uh, we would love to connect with you there, of course. Thank you for watching and or listening. We will talk to you next time. Many of you know that my day job is working for an organization called the Mighty Oaks Foundation. I've had the opportunity to work with the Mighty Oaks Foundation for a little over 10 years now and very grateful for that opportunity. I served in the United States Marine Corps and left in 2003. When I came back from Iraq and got out of the Marine Corps, I transitioned and had some of the same struggles that many of our veterans today have. Uh, that transition time can be very, very difficult. I moved on with the help and support of my family and others in my close-knit community and really in many ways tried to walk away from my service. It was too hard, too difficult for me to look back, to remember, to stay connected, and so I chose not to. About 10 years after I walked away, I was reconnected with many of the men that I had served with in Iraq and even before that Iraq deployment and came to understand that so many of the men that I served with did not do well. I came home and I struggled, but I had a family around me and I had a community around me that helped me to get back on my feet and continue moving forward. So many of those that I had served with, however, did not have the same opportunity. 
They came home and didn't have that family around them, that community that could lift them up. And so they made some decisions, decisions that we talk about often in the veteran community. I was reminded about 10 years after my service that some of the men that I served with in Iraq came home and struggled and decided that it would be best for them to end their lives. Others who had not taken their lives, but who had struggled from one relationship to the next, from one job to another, and had never really gotten back on their feet. I learned after 10 years that walking away from my military service was not really an option. (laughs) You see, we think we can hang our uniform in the closet for the last time and walk away, but our obligation to those that we served with remains. It was at that time that I had the opportunity to get connected to the Mighty Oaks Foundation. It was just getting started. I met our founder, Chad Robichaux, and together we began to work on what is today a national nonprofit serving veterans, active duty service members, and more and more the first responders in our community. That's what we do. You see, Chad served in the Marine Corps as well, and both of us have an understanding, and so many of the folks, many, many folks that work with us now who served in the military and in the first responder community understand that we may get out, we may hang the uniform up, but we still have an obligation to care for those who have served or are serving. That's exactly what we do at the Mighty Oaks Foundation every single day. We run programs across the country for those who have served, veterans, or are serving, active duty service members, those who are serving in their community as first responders, police officers and firefighters, and others in that first responder community. We serve them by helping them to understand that there is life beyond their service, that their identity should be wrapped up in more than a uniform or a job that they've done or are doing, that there is a purpose, that there is a plan. In fact, that God, the creator, has something he intends for them. And that if they'll simply align their lives to the life that he has for them, so much of the trauma, so much of the difficulty, so much of their past, so many of those things that have a hold on them, they may not go away, but they won't maintain the hold and the control. Here's the message we try to convey and communicate. There is hope. And there is a community of people found within the Mighty Oaks Foundation that understand where you've been because we've been there. We don't have it all figured out. We're certainly not perfect, but we've taken some steps to move forward and we want to take you with us. That's what we do. How do we do that? Again, by communicating the fact that there is hope, by connecting with others who've been there and know how to move forward and by getting around you and supporting you as you begin to take those very important steps yourself. The Mighty Oaks Foundation is blessed to have supporters across the country that make it possible for us to do the work that we do at no cost to the veteran, the active duty service member, or the first responder. For you to attend our program, you simply need to set aside five days and come to one of our locations, one of our facilities. We'll do the rest. There will be no cost to you for the program, no cost for the transportation to get you to the program. We do all of the planning and all of the logistics. You simply need to get there. We want to remove every obstacle for you to get the help, the encouragement, the strengthening, <laughs> the hope, the renewal that you need. We're thankful for the opportunity to do that. Perhaps you are not a veteran or a service member. You're not in the first responder community, but you care about those who have served and are serving our communities. Well, you may fall into the other category then. Perhaps you're someone that can support what we do financially to make it possible for those folks to come along. 
Maybe your support is not financial support, but you know someone in your community, in your town, in your church, uh, in a club or something else that you're a part of that could use this kind of support and encouragement. Plug them in. Let us help them. Let us get them on the road. No cost to them. We want to do the work, but we need you to get them to us. That was a lot of words. If you listen to the show, you know I say a lot of words sometimes. So let me point you to the one place where you can get all your questions answered. MightyOaksPrograms.org is our website. MightyOaksPrograms.org. There you will find more information about what we do as an organization. There's an application for those who would like to apply. Fill that application out. Our team will get back to you, set everything else up. If you would like to support the work of the Mighty Oaks Foundation, you'll find a place to do that there as well. And there is also a section for resources. So many of you know people who need help but may not start by coming to a program, attending a program, but they would read a book, they would watch a video, they would listen to a testimony. We have those resources there for you as well. So please come and join us at the Mighty Oaks Foundation's website, mightyoaksprograms.org. Our veterans, active duty members, and first responders need our support. Maybe you're in that category. You need our support. And that begins by going to the Mighty Oaks Programs website, mightyoaksprograms.org. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.